0: Football is life. That's what our guest Joe Evenson thought until that door closed. Now he's making dreams come true for the most vulnerable. You won't want to miss a word of this one today on Mandate. Mandate. And welcome to another episode of Mandate. My name is Joe Obermuller. I'm here, as always, with my very good friend, Mr. Ben Kroosh.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: Great to be with you again, as always, my friend. Great to be with you, Joe Obermuller. Everybody doing well in your life? Everyone's doing really,
1: really well. I've gotten uh, a nice little uh, trip uh, around uh, some freedom. Uh, based yeah. on some life stuff that's been happening for me. Uh, and so I've gotten uh, a few weeks now to be with my crew. That ends today. It's my last day of that. Uh, so uh, it's been an absolute blessing from God. I've gotten into a lot of great conversations with mandate listeners uh, and fans and people that just, you know, weirdly and, and divine intervention reached out and I had a lot of time to be with them. That's so great. So That's
0: you start a new gig tomorrow. Is that a future edition of Mandate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're I'm happy yeah. to talk about it. Um, Amazing. Going to start up with the our our city has a community foundation uh, where people can uh, donate their uh, funds uh, and they can live there, and then that our organization can help get that out to the the nonprofits and charities in town that can benefit. Man, that's so cool. You're going to you're just going to rock this. I appreciate it. Uh Mandate has been a part of that. Uh has been a big reason why I made the move because Mandate and the listeners and the conversations I've had have been a part of me fully understanding, I need to be in relationship with people rather than managing.
0: Well, them. that's exactly it. I mean, if you listen to Mandate, and all of you who are listening right now do listen to Mandate, so you know that Ben's relational aptitude bleeds through the speakers. I mean, this this is what this guy's made to do is be in relationships. So. Very, very kind of I'm you. I'm excited for you, man. Thanks, dude. I greatly appreciate it, uh, and
1: you've been a part of that. Hey, so thank you. I appreciate that. And speaking, here, yeah, speaking. Of. Speaking of nonprofits. We have the wonderful, the effervescent, the manly man himself, Joe Evenson. Joe, welcome
0: to the the Mandate Pod.
2: Thanks for having me, guys. That's oh, a heck of an so, intro right there. Yeah, This is great. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while uh, for a number of reasons. Um, we usually chat with with our guests a few minutes before we hit record, and, I, and then I just got even more excited. So... You, you come from a from a, a lot of athletics in your background you're a football player and coach and teacher uh, and then that that door closed somewhere along the line and then you started this this new gig that I want to let you talk about so can you just kind of fill us in on, on what your background is
2: yeah absolutely and first of all thanks for having me um, I love talking about this stuff so this is a passion for me I love doing it and so really kind of going back to the roots um, small town South Dakota grew up in Gartson just good old blue collar community, work hard. And um, that's really kind of what I really uh, dove into. And so growing up, um, I had an awesome home, great mom and dad, still have an incredible relationship with them. And as they were raising me up, somehow as none of them had really any athletic background in their families, somehow I gravitated towards football. And that's what that community was all about. Guys grinded, they worked their tails off, They did whatever they had to, to go win football games. And everything at that point was about state championships. So I just fell for it, hook, line, sinker. And so as I was growing up, that's the culture that I was really raised up in. And so every single day, it was just eat, breathe, live football and sports in general, small town. You kind of went by the seasons, but loved it. And so as I grew up, that was really, you know, as we kind of get into this, that was really my God growing up. Um, We weren't really a faith-based family. We weren't really churchgoers. We went occasionally, you know, the, the traditional Christmas, Easter, that kind of stuff and confirmation, but it really had no root or meaning to it at that point because I really wasn't diving in and I really didn't have anybody to really show me the example of how to live it out. So to me, it really wasn't real and uh, I'm not quite sure how I felt about it growing up. So it really wasn't a big part of my life. <clears throat> so as I reflect back and look at where I was at football, that was where I gave my all, my everything. And that's who I wanted to be identified as. So that kind of took me through high school, went on to play college ball at Augustan here in Sioux Falls and um, was just so football minded. And that's kind of where we were talking a little bit earlier about just the identification. And so as I came into college, it was about re-identifying who I was. Group of guys I'd never met, had to prove myself all over again. And I really had this false identity of who I thought I should be, of what being a man was all about. And so as I came in, I I just bought into this idea of like, well, I want guys to think I'm this way. So going out, drinking all the time, partying all the time, you know, sleeping with women, doing all this crazy stuff where I just felt like that's who I wanted guys to see me as. And it's interesting going to Augustana or any kind of liberal arts education where it's more faith-based. And with Augustana, there was that there, but it was nothing that I could ever really identify with and as i looked at the christian faith and i looked at guys that were living that world i really looked at them as weak i looked at them as you know why are you reading the bible why are you why are you praying going to fca going to church i just looked at it as a sign of weakness for some reason and i still don't know how to really understand that about my life at that point i think it was just maybe something where i was viewing it and i saw it as maybe something i was i don't know curious about but there was just the identification thing where it was maybe more of a sign of weakness. So I remember calling guys out about it, making fun of them about it for whatever reason, because that's just how I wanted to be identified. It was crazy. It was just really weird. But as I looked at that and that grown and, and evolved throughout my college time, and as you think about that 18 to 22-year-old mindset, it just got worse and worse and just went deeper and deeper into the, the world's way of being just molded and shaped, right? And so then at that point, graduated and wasn't quite sure what in the world am I going to do. And so at that point, I really didn't have a major focus on the rest of my life. Everything was so football-based, so I didn't really have a path out. I didn't really know where else to go with it. So I got into coaching, um, got my grad assistant job down at Wayne State, Nebraska. So went down there, and, and that's where things just got worse um, because now you've got this crazy identification problem, then now you've got compounded on that, this crazy work ethic. So if you know anything about the coaching industry, we're working 80 hour weeks consecutive during the season. You've got no time for anything else. And uh, just the the way that you coach and the way that you are, are the, the leader of these men. Um, it was a wild evolution where I thought that it got to a point where I was starting to get better. I was starting to become more of a leader, but this was again, the way the world was shaping me into that position. And so those early years of my coaching career were just a lot of cussing at players, a lot of calling guys out. It was very intense. And, uh, that's just who I thought I had to be. That's who I thought I really was. Um, and at this point now I'm probably 25 years old and just had no faith whatsoever. So okay.
0: did you go straight from, so you went straight from your undergraduate career into this, into this graduate assistant? So there was world. a little
2: gap. There was a little gap. So, I floated a little bit as I was finishing school. So I played as a true freshman. So as I was finishing up, um, I was playing for the Storm. So I played for the Storm for three seasons. There was one real gap year between undergrad and then going to my master's school. But, yeah.
0: I, I ask because I, I imagine that transition is hard, too, because now suddenly the, the, the athletes aren't your peers. Right. You're you're coaching them now. And that that's that's already a weird dynamic mm-hmm. when you're young. And it's just like you. it wasn't that long ago that you were them. You right, know? right. And so were you seeing kind of the same sort of, uh, I guess my question is, were you trying to bring what you ha- had done as a student and your, your mindset as a student into the new role as a, as a graduate assistant? Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And that's where I should back it up a little bit because you had your one group in college. And so that, that group became your, your brothers, your family, your friends. Well, then going into the storm, it was starting all over again. So then it dove even worse. And you know what the crazy thing was about that is now all of a sudden they were paying me to play football. And at 22 years old, I'm getting a check every week. And so you can imagine where that check was going as we were out partying all the time and just doing all this crazy stuff. And now I'm proving myself all over to this new group of guys in a secular world and just doing all this crazy stuff of like, this is who I want you guys to think I am. So it was wild. So I was really floating for a while there, really just living that crazy life that I thought that was it, you know, didn't know any better. And so that's where when I took that next step into college coaching, um, it it just, there was no time for anything else. It was just this crazy work ethic, the grind of coaching and getting after your players and just the evolution of it. And it's so funny when you think about this of like being this first, call it 27 years of life. And you're just like, man, where was God during all that, you know? I got to a point where I'd done so many crazy things, you know, just living the way I was, where I just didn't think. I got to a point where I said, you know what? I just don't know if this faith thinks for me. I don't know if God can accept me. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that he did, I think that's for those other people, but not for me. And it's, I don't know how I came to that conclusion, but I think at some point, people were starting to talk about it more, and I was listening, And as I started listening more just to these random times when it would come up, it's like, gosh, you know, that's really kind of interesting, but I just don't think that's for me. And it's, this is kind of how God works, right? So things that I tried to do that were totally just party, lifestyle, fun, go do this and that, God showed up in those moments. And it was probably 2006, we had a group called CNOS, which was our um, sports medicine providers out of Sioux City. They invited us up to this conference, and we went up there. We were grad assistants. You know, they had free food, free drink, all that stuff. So we went up there for that, right? And all of a sudden, this tall, skinny guy gets up and starts talking about his football career. And it just happened to be Brian Hansen from our Mm. local FCA, right? And so, of course, he's talking about football. He's talking about all these great experiences he had. So I'm just fully tuned in. And then all of a sudden, he turns a corner and starts talking about his faith. And that was probably the first time that it ever really tuned into someone talking about their testimony. And um, it was, it wasn't a moment that really grabbed me, but it was a moment that I'll never forget in just in terms of like how God used that to just plant a seed of just saying, Hey, I'm here. I see you. And all of a sudden there was like, there was just this little bit of like, huh, you know, maybe, maybe I can explore this a little bit more, but got back into the grind. So nothing really crazy happened or anything came out of it, but where the real change was probably that following year, there's a guy, another FCA guy by the name of Ron Brown, who represents Nebraska. I think he's down on Coach Frost's staff right now. But he came up and talked to us, and we had the whole gymnasium packed. And people, people kept inviting me and inviting me, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to that. But then it said, well, wait a minute. He's a Nebraska coach, so you better get there and talk to him and network and, you know, all that business goes, mm-hmm. connections and whatnot. So I remember sneaking in the back of this after it started and went all the way to the top. So nobody could see me come in there. And I just wanted to kind of view it, check it out. And then afterwards, when everybody was done, I was gonna go maybe try to connect with them. And that was the moment that my world got flipped upside down. So everything that I'd learned about masculinity, about being a man, about this toughness that I thought I had to have, all of a sudden he's up there completely dismantling it in the matter of 20 minutes. And he started talking about, you think you're tough because you can go to these parties and fight people or have drinks and do drugs and sleep with women. You know, if you're tough, you're going to be the one that says no to all that stuff because that's what God calls us to do as men. I'm like, whoa. I had never heard anybody talk like that. And if you know Ron Brown, or if you have ever met this guy or know who he is, I mean, this guy speaks with an authority unlike I've ever heard before. Backs it up with scripture. And my world was just rocked. So he had an altar call at the end of that. And so you remember how I came into that building. I mean, but the second he said, if you believe in these words and you want to accept Jesus right now, come down to this floor. And I went right down the middle. Wow. Yeah. I I just, I couldn't believe it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) From skeptic
2: to believer. It was, it was incredible. So
1: you accept Jesus at that, like you literally come down.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I accepted Jesus, but it really, you know, there was a moment where afterwards I just talked to him I said, I cannot believe the words you just spoke. This is amazing. I've never heard this before. I can't believe this is really for me. It's real. And uh, we had a great conversation. And uh, I just remember saying like, man, I want this to be important to me, but how do I make the time for it? I'm a grad assistant. I got all this stuff I got to do. And he's like, so if it's important to you, you'll make time. And I just didn't make the time. It just never really gravitated to the point where it was a life change. But again, it's like these seeds that God's planting, mm-hmm. right? So it was just incredible because I'll never forget that. And that was kind of the moment we started making the step to actually start going to church again. And that's when I graduated then um, again.
1: You, you said you said we, Joe. Is there a we here? Yeah,
2: yeah. So an important part of my story that I should probably talk about is my wife. Amen. Yeah, right? Um, so we actually met at Augustana and um, got engaged literally um, a year after graduating, and then she came down with me. We got married, and then she came down to Wayne State with me. So it's, it's kind of random not to get into that full story, but uh, she did not go down with the intentions of being a GA, but that's what she ended up being. So that first year of marriage, we were making at $800 combined household income, so it was really living the, living the life, right? Mm. So we were having fun. So yeah, we were both down together. But yeah, we were, we were both kind of doing this. And um, you know, for her background, she was grew up in the church and she had a faith to her. And so that wasn't anything that, that really came out a whole lot in our relationship, probably until that moment. And she said, well, let's start going to church. And that's when we started going. And so probably looking forward where it really kind of took root is, again, God's timing. So when I graduated and we're kind of like, what now? You know, kind of playing that same game. And I'm throwing resumes out everywhere. At this point, I'm really aggressive about my career trying to get that next step. And I had job offers down in Missouri and Kansas, out on the East Coast near the North Carolina area, um, and then one that was down in um, Atlanta. And I just didn't feel like any of them were the right fit. And I was really pursuing this one up in Northern State in Aberdeen, South Dakota. That one fell through. So now I'm like, well, I guess I just got to stay here you know, and work for you know restricted earnings. And then just out of the blue, um, this job opens up back at Augustana. And uh, this was right before spring ball started, which if you know anything about coaching changes, the timing of this was, I mean, you never hear of coaching changes happening right before spring ball. But I had the connections. I knew all those guys there. And I was a defensive guy, and they were looking for an offensive guy. And so I didn't think I had a shot. It's like, I'm not going to interview for that. I mean, I can't coach offense. Like, yeah, you can. You'll work hard. you figure it out. So I did, interviewed, and um, again, kind of one of those things where timing was, you know, looking back, totally God's timing. And um, the belief set, I I didn't have the resume for that job, didn't. But I had the connections, and that's all it took was to get in, do the interview, and ended up getting the job. And now, so I didn't coach any offense at all and got the job and had one day to prep and get ready for spring ball. So just thrown right in the mix. So the reason that's important is as I got into that, program there was two guys that were really living it out two guys that were really faith-based good solid Christian men good leaders that I'd never been around in my life before I've never I've heard the speakers Brian Hanson's Ron Brown's but I've never walked with them so all of a sudden I get with guys like Brad Salem who was the head coach at the time the guy that hired me John Simchenko who was the uh, O-line guy at the time who's now a head pastor out at the Brandon Church Celebrate and um all of a sudden, I got to watch those guys every single day and just living it out, man, carrying their Bibles around, praying for guys, going to Bible studies, you know, inviting me to church. And it was just, it was like such a gravitational pull towards that. And I kept looking at them. as was like, what do those guys have? Like, what is it about them that just makes them so different? And that's what really kind of kept pulling me. But then back to this image thing, now I'm back in the environment where I was probably the, you know wild and crazy as ever. And so this identity thing keeps coming back. It's like, hey, remember what you were like as a student athlete here? You can't accept Jesus and move forward in this faith thing. You know, that's not for guys like you. It was like the devil was just on my shoulder trying to just tell me, walk away from this. And I did a lot of times. Those guys kept inviting me to Bible study. My office literally was across the hall from where they would meet to do these Bible studies. And every time they'd go in, they're like, hey, you want to join us today? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. And they kept asking, they kept asking. And then finally I said, all right, I'm going to go into this Bible study and I'm going to sit in the back corner and I'm just going to observe. It's kind of like that same thing going to that Ron Brown um, together or that gathering. It was like, I went in there inconspicuous. I said, don't call me. Don't ask me to pray. I'm not going to describe anything. No, I'm not even going bring a Bible in here. I'm just going to observe. And I remember sitting there just taking everything in and just being moved by it. But the only thing I remember is just one scripture and it was the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom. And and for some reason that just grabbed me because at that moment I realized like man, I have no idea who God is and I need to I need to get to know him right now. And that was it. That was that was probably in 2008 and that was the defining moment that then God just opened the door and it was just boom, just pour in, pour in, pour in, you know, to where we're at now almost, you know, Thirteen years later, but just the evolution of what he can do versus what we can do, because again, the path forward from there, uh, it's nothing that I ever could have done myself, right? So these things that kept coming were like just being put on my plate. Um, so for example, like I remember when I was an interviewing, and he was wanting this offensive position, I told him I could probably coach anything if I work hard, you know, except offensive line. And I remember saying that with conviction. While well, the next year. John Simchenko left to go be full-time pastor. And so Brad Salem said, are you ready to be the old line coach? And I'm like, you know, of course, I gave him the vote of confidence saying, yeah, I'm ready. And then uh, he left, the door shut, and I'm like, what in the world am I getting into? So just jumping into these complete unknowns, uncomfortables, and just kind of just starting my journey with Jesus of just trusting in him and believing that I could really be in relationship with him. It gave me so much hope so much joy so much fire and intensity that i'd never had before and so as that journey continued and all these things kept coming to me that i didn't deserve i'd never worked hard for some of these things i didn't have the background for it but god just said here you go i believe in you i trust you i love you i want this relationship with you keep growing keep trusting in me and i just kept walking it and um probably the first example of that was uh i started going to team chapel and our head coach, Brad Salem, he was the one that was leading all the time. So I would just sit in there and hang out with the guys. And then all of a sudden, an hour before Team Chapel, one of our road games, he just comes up to me and he says, hey, I got I got to do the radio. I can't do Team Chapel today. You got to do it. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. He goes, yeah, you got to do it. No one else can do it. And uh, we had this exchange and finally just walked away. And that was it. All of a sudden, I'm the team chaplain, and I'm leading these guys in scripture and prayer. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I am not qualified for this. And like, that's kind of the funny thing about it. It's like, if we were given the, uh, the opportunity to accept these roles, and we would say, in my case right there, it was like, I'm not qualified for this, but God didn't care. He gave me one hour to prep for that. And I don't, I, to be honest, I don't have a clue what I said. I couldn't reference one scripture, one word that I said during that, that pregame chapel, but God just pushed me into that complete, awkward, uncomfortable area, and he just grew it from there. So from that moment on, I was the team chaplain. I was leading team chapel for pregames. We were doing circle prayers after practice. And uh, eventually I started doing FCA with just the football guys. Then that grew to the whole campus. And just God just kept growing it and growing it and growing it and just put me in those positions where every time I was uncomfortable, but God knew what he was doing, just growing me in that capacity. you know. And that's something that you never predict or prepare for. It just... God's saying, I, I have this plan for you, and this is what it is. And a lot of times we're like, that plan is not my plan. I don't want that plan. That plan is uncomfortable. It's awkward. I'm not qualified for it. And there was times when I wanted to say no in the worst way, but I just kept rolling with it. I said, all right, let's do it. So a, bit, a big part of what I'm hearing,
1: Joe, is what I think a lot of new believers are struggling with. In that you know that God's putting you into a position. You know that you should take it, but you won't. And a lot of times what happens there is then God's like, well, I'm going to make it happen. If Because you, you don't trust me yet. Mm. You don't fully trust me. That even though I'm putting this in front of you and, and I've prepared you for whatever I'm, I need you to do, now because of that, now because you, your flesh is saying no, now I'm going to make you do it. Mm-hmm. And that was, that seems like a lot of your story where you were still holding back, but then it would just be put in front of you like, all right, Joe, fine. Then here, do it. You, I'm, I'm eliminating every single way for you out. You just have to go take it. Yeah. hundred percent. So when do you think that transition? Because when I think of Joe Evenson, I think of someone's very confident in their faith, very confident in going where the Lord is asking you to go. Uh, when do you think that changed for you when you were fully trusting?
2: Yeah. Well, it was an evolution, right? It was a maturity. As we, we look at scripture, talking about the, just the maturity of our faith as it grows, of being baby Christians to the spiritual milk that we drink and that we move forward and just all those areas. Because there was a lot of uncomfort right away because I think that where we deal with this as men is that we like to internalize it. You know, I have a faith, I read the Bible, I go to church, but I'm not comfortable talking about it, Right. I'm not comfortable being in groups and being exposed or being vulnerable. And that's where I think I just finally kind of gave way to that as I saw other men doing it. And so I was a part of uh, this group that we call the coaches huddle. And there was a lot of dudes that were up there that were just living for Jesus. And the examples that they were able to give me as a young Christian were, they were life changing. And I'll never forget Coach Bilder, who's still the head men's basketball coach over there. I remember telling him, I was like, Coach, man, I really want my players to know that that I'm that I'm living for Jesus, that this faith thing is real, but I'm just not comfortable praying with them. I'm just not comfortable, you know, speaking the Bible yet. And his words were so funny, but he goes, "Well, it's easy. Just quit swearing." And I'm like, "What?" I was like, as a coach, like my language was not changing with my faith. So there there was some definite areas that were were definitely not jiving. But he said, if your language changes, guys will know. They'll they'll know something's different. And it was such a challenge, but in that moment, there was no question, it was like challenge accepted. And even to this day, um, I I mean, it's not like a major effort I would say that I put out to try to quit swearing, which sounds so ridiculous, but this is just how our profession is. Um, I remember there was a coach up in South Dakota State who a lot of guys looked up to and we mentored with him. And as this guy would get described, you know, forget, oh, he's great at X Snows, he's a great coach, he's a great leader of men the first way he would get described is, oh, he doesn't swear. You know, that's how our profession was. Like, it was weird if you were a coach and you didn't swear. So all of a sudden, I was that coach who didn't swear. And uh, it it, it was, again, uncomfortable and awkward at first and just weird. But eventually, God just kind of took that away and just stripped it from me, you know. So there's no way I can say, like, I just did this or I followed this plan. It was like, God just kind of took it away. And um, all of a sudden, like, without even being outward, really, like what he spoke to me really came true, because that following year, Volcamp um, camp you always do player skits and the players can always roast whoever they want, so we always get the brunt of that, right? And uh, they were doing a coaching skit. And this whole time, this coach was getting represented, this one was getting represented. Then here's this other coach, kind of over in the corner, just reading. And uh, one of these guys is like, Coach Evenson, get over here. We need to have a conversation. And then this another guy's like, Oh, hey, he found the Lord. You got to leave him alone now. I'm like, That was the validation. All of a sudden they knew I was, was a Christian because of that alone. And it was just such a funny moment, but I was like, okay, they got it. All right. Got it. I got you, man. Yeah. It's time to get external with this thing and, and really see what God can do. You know? So that was probably about 2009 when it really kind of just dawned on me, like, you know, God's really doing something here and uh, I better be faithful to see what it is. And so that's when I started to externalize a little bit more.
1: There is in my, so I, I have a career in athletics. I played sports high school college there's an extreme dichotomy when it comes to sports you have people who you can you know there's a lot of leading and following and they can do one of two things they can follow you into this jesus thing right because there's a lot of stuff that jesus says in the bible directly correlates to athletics then you have this other camp that is that is the joe evenson the joe evenson from 18 to 22 i see it I'm not saying I don't believe it, I just it's just not for me. I'm I'm not I'm not either capable, I'm not ready. I my eyes are open but my ears are closed. So what are you doing? You're modeling it. And that's obviously a huge accomplishment. How are you getting these guys that either aren't seeing it, aren't hearing it, aren't eating it? How are you getting them on your team? So you're talking about externalizing how are you getting these guys in a coaching position to start believing
2: yeah so a big step for me was <clears throat> just working with my group so at that point i'm coaching the offensive line and every friday pregame, we would go through kind of pregame checks and talk through kind of like a not really a motivational speech at the time but just a time to really focus and every time i would put that together i would put one scripture on there and then i would preach that to my players and really kind of talk through what it means and kind of giving them a pregame chapel the night before. So that was one way that we were doing it. And then um, myself and another strength coach at the time were, were leading some FCA stuff. And we were not obtrusively recruiting or, or pushing guys to be a part of it, but we were out talking to guys about being a part of it. And so I think just kind of inviting people intentionally of seeing guys that were going through some struggles. And I think when I started to really wake up and see the big difference – it was like I could see the issues that these players were dealing with, which then would reflect back to my days as a student athlete. And I'm like, man, if I would have had Jesus back then during that time, it would have been a lot different. And so as I looked at some of these players that were going through so much, I would inv- I would talk to them a little bit, and I would kind of put a little scripture on them and just say, hey, listen, you know, if this is something you want to explore, then I really think you should come check this group out for FCA and really see what Jesus thinks. You know, see what. See what the Bible's all about. Explore it.
0: So I got to ask, I got to transition back to your family for a second. So I think that's a very important and fascinating detail that your wife was with you in Wayne State, with you for all of these major transitions in your life. W- can you talk about that? I mean, how how was your relationship during that? What what were your conversations like as you were, as the Lord was sort of working all these things in your heart, what was going on with your wife?
2: Yeah. I mean, fully supporting hundred percent, you know, and you think about the transitions that happened and she would laugh at this, but we just had some rough first years of marriage just because I still had some times where I was just living this wild lifestyle. Right. I would revert back to it. So there was times when I was trying to live for Jesus, but then there was the old me that was still kind of creeping in. Right. Um, and so she saw the change, just like, let's take swearing for example. You know, all of a sudden she just noticed, it's not like something I went home and said, all right, Tress, I'm just going to quit swearing now. You know, it just all of a sudden she's like, you know, do you swear anymore? Like, you know, just things like that. So these transitions kept happening, it was just so funny because she was like, you know, you're really going to do FCA? You're going to do team chaplain? You know, like, like, I don't think we really realized like what God was really doing. And so as these things kept coming up, it was just kind of like, wow, you know, So she was fully supportive and on board and she's always been supportive with anything that I do. But when it comes to our faith, I mean, that's something that, I mean, she's a partner in crime when it comes to any of that stuff, just being totally supportive. So I don't think there was anything radical going on there because for her, she was, you know, growing up in in the church. So, I mean, she knew what Jesus could do in my life, but she saw me in my wildest times. And so for her to see all these things eventually get stripped away you know, I think it was pretty amazing just to witness that growth that Jesus was putting me through on that path.
1: So you're talking about loyalty, Joe. I, a strong part of, or a large base of our listeners are either in in relationship and thinking about marriage, or just newly married. Um, you have a beautiful relationship, a beautiful marriage. You have absolutely wonderful kids. What was the the main trouble? when you were newly married you talked about you went through, through some tough times what is talk about the the tough time down, i mean cuz what i'm hearing is you were you were still living that lifestyle mm-hmm. you, and you were you were newly married after college and you are still living that lifestyle as a grad assistant or or playing with the storm so there probably was you know a storm
2: yeah 100% that's a good way to put it You know, I mean, I think that's where uh, the old me, right, um, still kept creeping back. And so a lot of partying, still doing alcohol, drugs, still getting into that stuff. And that wasn't my wife's style. And so those would conflict and create a lot of uncomfortable situations, which create tension. And uh, I just, she kept trying to have conversation with me about it. And I was just shutting it down. So I think just the, the old lifestyle that I wanted to keep living, that kept coming up because of my older relationships that were still kind of doing that stuff for a while I couldn't shake it you know I just couldn't find a way to really push that part of my life away yeah and uh so I think that was really hard that she had to deal with that and um that's where her strength was strong in those moments of just realizing that you know she had made a commitment to me and she was going to see through it and we had some really tough conversations about that early in our marriage of just you know what does it mean if you want to keep doing this and why are you still doing it and so the questions and the conversations that would come up but no matter what there was always that support um knowing that you know these things are gonna hopefully eventually go away Mm -hmm. Um, but she just kind of had this calmness to her no matter what that it was going to get better so i think whether you're a christian
1: non-christian believer non-believer i think this is happening in new marriages well relationships new marriages and old marriages i think if you're a tenured vet this stuff still happens if you could go back to that time let's say with all the things that you know now you go back to that 24 25 year old 26 year old you know newly married joe evenson and you were to get right back into that conversation right you just went out and partied with your bros drinking beers doing some drug of choice but you know the things you know now right how would you converse with your wife? And what would the day after
2: look like? Um, I think, uh, gosh, looking back to that time, it really would have been about trying to get myself to figure out that, hey, this thing that Jesus did, it's real. And he offers this to you, too. It's not just for those guys. It's for you. And as I would have understood that, maybe that could have changed a little bit of the conversation that I would have had with my wife at the time as far as like how I was living my lifestyle, because it was all about me. And like the more I reflect back on my life growing up, and even until right before Jesus in those early years, it was all about me. Whatever I wanted to do, whatever I thought was important, whatever I felt like doing, there was no conversation about it. It was just this was going to be what I was going to do. So to get more into understanding what she wanted and how she viewed the relationship and what she wanted to do together more than just that individual selfish side of things. Yeah. You know, and that's where I I look at scripture and I think of like John 3, 16, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, and some of those key verses where it's like, if you could get people to understand that, then I think that changes your mindset a little bit of the acceptance of Christianity, of who Jesus really went to the cross for. And then realizing when Second Corinthians 5.17 says, once you accept Christ, you become the new creation. And realizing that my past didn't have to hold me down. You know, you become the new creation in Jesus. And what does that look like? You know, that gets me excited because I'm still trying to figure that out. 42 years old, you know, but to think about that back at that age of like, man, what could God have done? But, you know, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where that's where we get to go back to work with those groups in those areas where we were living that lifestyle or doing whatever because we can speak into that for them. Well, and that's,
0: you know, that's something that's so unbelievably amazing about uh, the, the Christian faith in that the God that, that we serve, the God that we believe in, it, it, which is unique among other world religions it, in that uh, wh- while we were still sinners, God rescued us and, and came for us. And so it's not something that we have to work for or or try to attain in our, in our life. Uh, it's something that God does. He 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 actually comes down and finds us where we are. And so I'm just so compelled by the fact that in in your teens and early twenties, something was stirring in your spirit because you showed up to these things. You showed up to FCA and listened to to Ron Brown. Is that who is that who you're nope. talking about? And uh, and so something was happening even
2: back then where God was like. And you didn't even, it wasn't even really on your radar yet. Yeah. And that's where I'm assuming that the listeners out here are probably Christians. But the thing that's crazy, like as we reflect back in our stories, no matter what, like even in those moments growing up in the present moment, I never saw God, never once. But as I reflect back, I see him every step of the way. And that's what really just blows my mind of like, God, how could you be there for me in all those crazy moments? But he was. Was always there, trying to reach me, trying to grab me, but I just kept saying no. All those years, I just kept saying no, and he stuck with me. He sticks with all of us until we say yes or until we open up to him.
0: Well, and that's what I would want to say to anybody listening right. to the podcast who's who's maybe not a believer. Like, I'm glad you're listening. It's just like this is an opportunity to eavesdrop on the conversation and just like see what it is because maybe maybe you listener are are in that spot that joe was in and you're like i don't know about this jesus things praying thing is weird you guys are weird you know and uh, and is there a chance that even now that there's some stirring going on in your heart that that even now joe is describing happened to him i just think that's absolutely incredible and so i want to go back to um uh it's unbelievable I, we should have just doubled the length of this episode uh i want to go back to this idea of um of finding these these men, my story is similar in that I I really wasn't around men, particularly older men, when I was a kid who could articulate their faith well and and, and show me outside of Sunday what it meant and what it looked like. And then in, in my early twenties, mid twenties, is when I first started meeting guys that were like telling me about the gospel, like, and I didn't really understand it until then. So talk about the importance of having other men around you that help
2: point you in the right direction yeah I think it's critical I think it's really critical because as you look at your faith journey um, you can do things individually we can wake up have our prayer time you know have your study time but until you can get that out and speak about it and talk about it amongst guys or groups or whoever you're with um, I don't think it really grows to a point where God really wants to take it and so I'll just give you kind of the, the quick journey for me on that because when I was in coaching, it was just crazy, busy lifestyle. So we had coaches, huddles, and still to this day, just as I mentioned, that that was a part of my, of my testimony. That's a part of my journey that evolved me further than I ever could have done myself. So as God takes us and wants us to be a part of groups, I think that's where we're able to externalize a little bit more and then also get poured into, right? And then when I left coaching, got an education, Um, that was where it was a point where I I really wasn't a part of any groups. And I could tell there was kind of a stagnant part of my life at that point. And it wasn't until I started working at Make-A-Wish, probably in 2015, where I was on this text chain for this group that met every Thursday at noon. But I could never be a part of it because where I was working in the time of it until I started Make-A-Wish. And so the second I got that text again, I was like, boom, I'm in this group. And I'm going to go. I didn't know anybody. I remember walking in there day one. It's like, who in the heck are all these guys, you know? But I knew where I was at my faith, and I knew I wanted to be a part of this. And so I sat down, and I didn't intend to do this. Nobody knew me, but they were like, you know, introduce yourself, and feel free to share whatever you want. Then like 30 minutes later, everybody knew my story, you know, and just think like that's the same group I'm going to right now. And we have got into some deep conversations about that. Now, this one's a men-specific group. And uh, that's something where I feel strongly about because as men get together, I think we can be a little bit more open and vulnerable. We also do couples groups and um, do some accountability groups too. But I think it's just important to be in front of a group that has the same like-mindedness as we do as how do we grow in our faith? Ultimately, that's what it's all about. And we get deep, we get vulnerable. We open up all of our problems and our issues and we throw it out there and we get prayed over and, and guys are there for each other and helping them out. Um, I've seen some life change in that group. Um, My own life has changed. And to think about what we're called to do with the development and the maturity, I mean, that's definitely been a part of it. So I think it's critical. So having that group to pour into and then be poured into, Mm -hmm. and then also like take that and like, okay, well, what's the intention of me gathering all this information? Why am I a part of this group? Why am I developing my mind and my heart towards Christianity? Well, it's it's outreach, right? It's ministry-based. So then I had to find, okay, well, how can I build something up to then pour into another group? So I've been the team chaplain for Augustana before, and um, I decided to pursue an opportunity with the Sioux Falls Storm in that same capacity. And so now I've been doing that for four years, currently just finishing up this year. But um, looking at just a guy to point this out in my story, but basically got it to put me back into the two places where I was the wildest and the craziest in my Mm -hmm. life, to then go pour into those same groups, to give them the things that I didn't have. And so that's where I think that that's really kind of, um, it's really birthed out of this group that I'm currently a part of. It's like, you know, let's put some feet and hands to this, and let's go out and let's be Jesus, and let's try to spread the good news. You know, and I'm not a church guy. I don't think I'll ever be a pastor. Um, But I think I'm called to be, you know, in ministry in some capacity. So just being out in the community and just talking to guys, wherever it is, wherever God calls us, you know, and that's something where I get confidence doing that because of these groups that I'm a part of. So I think it's critical. You know, if you're going to grow, if you really want to be a part of the gospel, the movement, and just that maturity, it's those groups are just vital.
0: How do you, so is, is the group that you're involved in now is something that's happening through your uh, a church that you are a part of, or is it something different? I'm thinking of people that are listening to this are like, oh, yeah. I don't have a group like yeah.
2: that. Right. So, the interesting thing, a part about it is um, some of your listeners out there may know Jeremy Brown. Um, he had a warrior leadership coaching group that he was a part of when that was one of his nonprofits that he was doing. And that was the text chain I was on. And so then that got put together with the group that Ryan Cons was doing, which was Band of Brothers, Thursdays at noon. And so that's the group I'm currently still a part of. But the cool thing about it, it's, it's non church based, non denominational. So we got guys probably from at least five different churches that are part of that group. So, I mean, it's 12, 12 o'clock, Thursdays, Trey ministries, guys come and go. And um, that's why it's been going for five years. So it's been ah, it's been rocking cool. hey, for is a while. That, is
0: that in a new building on, on 12th Street or something? Yeah. So I it's just on
2: that? the edge. It's the old Rock and Roll Brennan Academy, or yeah. Brennan Rock and Roll Academy. It's so just on the corner of uh, 12th Street, kind of the edge of the loop. But beautiful facility, unbelievable ministry. So we're able to go there Thursdays at noon
0: that's amazing I do not want to wrap this up but we have to I just can't believe it Ben
2: it's usually how it goes uh, we uh,
1: we listen to these fantastic guests and it goes so fast because you can they're telling their story compelling and then what's happening is what, what we're privy to is what happens afterwards and so uh, you know if you're listening to Joe and his a part of his testimony, and it's relating with you. You interact with us, right? You can reach us at mandate.pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, drop us a DM, remark on our stuff. But here's where life is changing at Mandate we are now getting remarks, or likes, or follows, or subscribes from people we don't know. And that's because of you. That's because of you, listener, are sharing a guest with your relational world of, hey, I know that you're. this is part of your life, just listen to this. It's 45 minutes, right? You can take 45 minutes. For me, it takes me 20 minutes to get to work, 20 minutes to get home. I'm almost done, right? You can listen to it very passively. That's why we created this through this medium. So share this with someone that needs it. We don't need to know that person. You don't need to reach out to us and tell us you did it. Because the mission of Mandate is to encourage people into vulnerable conversation. And the only way we can do that is if someone starts the conversation. So that's your responsibility. That's your call. Listen to Joe. Share this with somebody in the relational world that needs to hear this, whether they need to hear about Jesus or not. They just need to hear someone that came from an athletic background that now had a life-changing event. And you may know someone like that that is right at the cusp of a life-changing event, either on a valley or in a valley or on a mountaintop. They need to hear Joe's testimony and they need to hear more of what mandates putting out. So share this, find us Joe. Uh, if, if people are interested in hearing more about band of brothers, uh, or, or reaching out to you, they might be young coaches. Uh, where can they find you?
2: Yeah. Hit me up. Joe Evenson, on Facebook. Um, look me up and make a wish South Dakota, Montana, or reach out to these guys. Um, they can get you hooked up to my info too, but yeah, would love to connect if anybody's interested. Yeah,
0: we only got one sentence of of your work with with Make-A-Wish, but that's now a huge part of your life, too. So uh, we'll have to catch that one on another episode. But super cool work you're doing there. So no doubt. uh, hopefully you can connect with with Joe Evenson uh, in one of those ways or reach out to us on one of the ways Ben suggested. And thanks for listening, as always, my friends. We'll see you next time on On mandate. Mandate.